Welcome to Season 3 of the Pensacola People's Podcast, where we interview impactful people in our area. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Pensacola People's Podcast. We are excited to have incumbent County Commissioner Robert Bender and his Democratic opponent, Myra Van Hoos, with us. Welcome. Thank you. We're glad to be here. Thank you, Jones. Appreciate being here. Commissioner Bender, tell us a little bit about yourself. So I was actually a 1994 graduate of CLA. I thought it gave me a great base education as I went on to high school and in college. Went to Rhodes College in Memphis, Tennessee. And that's after that I got my business administration degree there. After that I went into what I called was my first career, which was golf rules official. Uh, which really it, it's uh, all the rules are in black and white and you get to interpret them and, and help people. Um, but after that, I decided that uh, I wanted to settle down a little bit, went back and got my MBA from Emory University, and, uh, and then moved back to Pensacola and started doing commercial insurance. The, the city and the county uh, were both our clients, so I got really involved in, in what was going on with those. And, uh, and four years ago, when uh, the seat became open, I decided I wanted to run because I knew what was going on. I felt my leadership that had uh, I developed throughout my coursework through college, uh, MBA school. I'd always gotten involved everywhere. I'd gotten involved in the local community when we moved back. That uh, I wanted to, to do that. And so, uh, so I've been the commissioner for the last four years. Uh, I ran on civility and common sense. Uh, I, I think it's important that we have representatives that we're proud to represent us. Uh, and so I think I've demonstrated that these last four years and will continue to do that. Ms. Weyerman, who just tell us a bit about yourself? Okay, well, I was born in Pennsylvania. It's going to be a long story if I start with where I was born, right? <laughs> um, but I am a CPA by education. I didn't go to school here, and I wish I would have because it's a lovely school. Um, I went to Catholic school, and then uh, my parents moved to Puerto Rico for high school. So I went to Academia Cristo Rey for my high school. So I feel like that gave me a really uh, solid base in understanding different types of people and different cultures, and I think that's so important for people. Um, so I had a scholarship to University of Dayton in Ohio, out of Puerto Rico, and I went there on scholarship and I studied psychology and English. And then um, realized I wasn't sure that I was gonna work in either of those fields, so I went back to school and I went to University of Houston, so I've moved around a little bit. And that's where I got my bachelor's in accounting. So I'm a CPA by education, like I said, and so um, I, had my own practice for several years and I also started out working at the largest accounting firm in the world in Houston that was called Arthur Anderson but they don't exist anymore um, and then I went back to school again to get more information about working in the not-for-profit field in public management and I got a, a certificate towards a master's is what they called it in um, public administration in Shenandoah University in Virginia so I've been here and there um, my husband and I moved to New Orleans, um, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago, and he worked off to raise money after Katrina, Hurricane Katrina hit. And so during that period, I uh, did a lot of volunteer work in uh, charities. And I, my, my first love has always been, and still is, helping people. And so when we moved to um, Pensacola, I started working with a variety of charities here, Museum of Art Guild, um, the Public School Foundation. Um, I should have brought a list so I could tell you because I just do a whole lot of work, but I was helping raise money for Monument to Women Veterans. Um, and I feel like I've seen so many really good people at the volunteer level and at the not-for-profit level in this town that um, we should be more advanced in living the kind of the, the life of paradise that the climate shows us we are in and I thought well what's what's the missing link here and I thought it's the at the government level and I was the president for the Institute for Women in Politics for a few years and I always promoted more women running for office and I'm looking at you Simone um, but anyhow so finally I said okay well I will run for office and and do this uh, take this step into creating change at the legislative level and that's where I am today. I think that's enough for now, right? Yeah. Um, uh, Ms. Margaret Hoos, have you two met before? Have, have you guys Robert and I met? 
Yes. When I was president of Institute for Women in Politics, Robert became a member. So when you ran the first time, Mm -hmm. 2018. So I think that's the first time we met. Um, We used to give classes once a month on how to run for office or, you know, different things that were important to the community. And I think Robert and I actually even took a class together at the Chamber of Commerce. Do you remember that? Yep. Just on campaigning because... Politics has always been in my family. It's kind of a hobby. My brother was governor of Pennsylvania. Um, my father ran for school board. My husband was chairman of the school board in Virginia. So I've al- always worked on campaigns pretty much all my life. But I've always taken classes to continue education because you always have to learn all your life. You never stop learning. Um, what about you? What is like? Some, do you remember anything about meeting her before also? <laughs> yeah, so uh, I, I attended the Women in Politics events um, I think it was a happy hour or two that we went to um, and, and getting involved in um, with that. Um, and uh, But I, I think, again, continuing education is great. Uh, as, uh, as county commissioner, um, I jumped into the Florida Association of Counties, which is uh, it's an organization that represents all 67 counties in the state. Uh, and they have certified commissioner, county commission training, which I, I took. Uh, I've also gone ahead and, and done uh, Advanced County Commissioner 1 and Advanced County Commissioner 2 training courses. Um, and it's where you have different sides come in and talk to you and you, you get to talk to other commissioners. Uh, you just get to learn about the issues that, that we're dealing and, and maybe better alternatives and, and have a look at it from different sides uh, to, to make you the most well-rounded person you can be. So uh, I've enjoyed uh, doing that. I'm the only one on the commission that, that has those. Um, and uh, again, it's, it's taking this job seriously. Uh, by continuing to, to educate and getting to know the issues better uh, and really again learning uh, what other places in the state are doing. We don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. Uh, there's some, probably somewhere that somebody else has done what, what we're faced with and, and see what's worked for them and what hasn't and you can make your decisions off of that. Um, Mr. Render, why are you running for County Commissioner? Oh that's great. So um, as we said you know both we like to get involved in our community. Um, but I think my education and, and my background gives me the best tools to make this the best community. Um, so uh, one of the things we've I've really looked at is is again common sense, pragmatic options, um, really diving into issues and studying the issues. Uh, one of the things that I did in MBA was Six Sigma, and so you really get to the root cause of the issue, um, and and so that's something that I've I've put in place in this position as well. Is that um, you know what's causing it continuous improvement so um, you know just because you fixed it doesn't mean you can't continue to, to improve um, so I've done that with parking and tra- uh, with traffic on the beach uh, I've done that with uh, public safety I've really gotten involved I've done ride-alongs I've, I've met with the firefighters really understand um, what they do what they go through and that's how I can better help them by by understanding it if, if you don't know what they do or anything like that then it's tough to understand the issue so really it's it's getting to understand the issue um, and so I, I think I've I've done that so being able to, to continue that would be great um, but really it's it's about serving our community uh, it's about making this a great place for our for our youth uh, you want a place you know I've got kids that um, are in uh, fourth and second grade and and you want uh, everyone to be able to come back here uh, like you guys have great jobs when they come back enjoy your quality of life um, so that uh, you want people to to come here Uh, we need to recruit businesses we can't just be focused on one or two little industries we have to have a wide variety so that whatever you want to do you can come here and do it because we do know how great this place is to live and especially given the chance that people can work from anywhere now why not work from here and enjoy what Pensacola has to offer. Um, how about you, Ms. Van Hoos? Why are you running for county commissioner? I'm running for county commissioner because I don't think that we're doing enough at the legislative level. I think we have five men on the board, and we have a pattern here of continuing to hire or elect the same kind of folks, and uh, they may be well-intentioned and very nice, but they're not uh, able to work together, they're not strong in their leadership skills, and they are not moving us forward with a strategic plan. So my main goal is to create a strategic plan for Escambia County and look at where we wanna be five years from now or 10 years from now. When you guys are adults, how do you want to live in your own community? And I don't think that we're addressing that. I think that at the county commission level, we keep kind of 
putting out fires and putting band-aids on issues instead of really choosing how we want that issue to look as a community and addressing steps to get to that strategic plan outcome. And the other piece is, um, as a CPA by education, I'm very concerned that our budgeting process is not transparent enough, and there's a lot of issues why. Um, but I certainly don't like the idea that each of the several commissioners get a chance to just give money to people that they know. I don't think that's appropriate. I think we need to come together as a community and create a budget for everybody. So we can go from like good enough to great for everybody. So those are my two main reasons. And I think that the third reason is just that I think diversity of thought on any board is really, really important. And I bring that diversity. Um, I don't think we've had a woman on the board for 20 years, maybe. And I think I would only be the fifth woman in the history of Escambia County to be elected to the county commissioners. In fact, two of the women were appointed, I believe, so I would actually be the third technically elected. So I think it's time to look at our future and, and change the way we've been doing business. And that's why I'm running. Um, Commissioner Bender, in your opinion, what is the number one issue you think Escambia County is facing, and what's your ideas to solving the problem? Sure. So uh, I'd say one of the most fundamental things that we do as a as a local government is public safety, uh, and that is an area that I have focused on. So when you look at um, your fire department, so uh, so last week I brought another issue of, of getting more equipment, a new fire truck, um, which we got one of the two that I, I voted for um, uh, because our, our equipment's aging. It was we didn't have a a replacement plan uh, so we've been working on a replacement plan that way we can uh, lay out how long you know when we're going to replace our equipment have a plan in place so that we can have the funding in place to do that also making sure that we have adequate levels of staffing uh, because uh, we want to make sure that that we have enough firefighters to respond to things they, they have the equipment that they need to do it in terms of EMS, we uh, have eight new ambulances on order right now. We have, uh, we're going to purchase another seven uh, next month That because uh, the window is only open for one day in October. That's why I say it's next month. It's coming. We can't do it right now. Um, and so we're putting more ambulances on the road. We've uh, instituted a transfer program that uh, cuts down the wait times between inter-facility transfers, but what it's also done is not rely on our 911 system, so the emergency calls to respond to those. It allows us to be more efficient uh, and, and plan. Uh, so we've been doing that. Of course, we have our lifeguards. Uh, we have our corrections department, which we've uh, increased the pay in all of these departments that I've talked about because it's, it is harder to get people to come to work, especially post-pandemic. Uh, and so uh, we're the highest paid starting salary of correction officers in, in Northwest Florida. Um, the sheriff have a great working relationship with the sheriff and um, and and we've created a three-year budget for them uh, based on what they asked for which again gives pay raises to the deputies uh, because again there's there's no other entity that's doing law enforcement so we need to support our sheriff and make sure that he has the tools to to keep us safe and keep our air safe because uh, you're not going to be able to recruit businesses if there's a high crime level and so to be able to um, to keep crime down uh, and then make sure it's a, a, again a safe place that people want to live uh, when we will have a great community so um, it is working with uh, the sheriff uh, it is working with all of our departments and uh, it is uh, fighting to make sure they have the resources and the dollars needed to do their job you were talking about um, the police department and how you raised all of the things what about the 90 percent for the police fund you know that we talked about uh, last year when we came to the county commission board. The ninety percent. Ninety percent of the government's um, like budget goes into like s police, like policemen payments and um, s like making new more jails and in law enforcement. So you're talking about raising that. Yes. So again, part of it's being remaining competitive so that um, we can recruit recruit them here. Uh, the sheriff is our, our, budget, our biggest budget. Uh, I think we are about 78 million is what his budgeted for for next year. Uh, corrections is, is 
I believe second with that uh, because it does unfortunately cost a lot to house inmates. We did just build a new $130 million jail that we're working through. And honestly, we need to go ahead and look at, at, at building the second phase to that uh, and making it a new building for, uh, for to replace the one that we have. So, um, uh, so we're doing that. Um, so does that answer your, your question then is? Uh, yeah. Um, what about you, Ms. Monroe? What do you think is the number one biggest issue about Escambia County, and what do you want to, how are you going to solve it? So, I agree with uh, Commissioner Bender that safety is a crucial factor for any the health of any community, and I too am uh, friends with the sheriff. Chip Simmons is doing a great job, and I think that uh, currently, we are highly understaffed, and we need to recruit more sheriffs, more uh, more deputies. Um, we also talked about an issue where there's some sort of uh, funding um, savings possibilities if we put the jail back under the sheriff. The expertise of the law enforcement department should be over all of the law enforcement entities that we have. And currently the jail has a another uh, employee kind of supervisor that answers back to the county commissioners. And the county commissioners, I'm sure uh, Robert would agree, don't have the expertise to, to run a jail. But Sheriff Simmons does. So there's there's economies of scale. Do you know what I mean by that? Okay, you guys are so smart. Um, if we if we put together all of the um, law enforcement issues under the expertise of one entity instead of separating it out, so that's one way that I would try to save some money so we can put money towards more deputies. And I'm concerned about the equipment. I know that the board of commissioners just. Uh, voted against the second fire tr truck that Robert had mentioned earlier, and I just think that that's a travesty. So we need to work with this group of five commissioners to, again, prioritize where we spend money and making sure that we put our first responders at the very top of our budget all the time. Uh, the other issue that's really important in the county right now is affordable housing. We are kind of eroding our middle class. The availability of people to live and work here is in danger. And so our school teachers, our firefighters, folks that we need to have a, a good solid society have to live, I don't know, in Alabama or in Santa Rosa County. And so we lose, the, for example, the revenue from their property tax. We lose out on them shopping in our community. So this is a revenue source that doesn't exist for us because we don't have housing for them. And there's different ways of going about increasing affordable housing. So I, I would focus on that. Um, our infrastructure needs to be examined. We're letting growth happen instead of us managing growth. We are uh, not preparing an infrastructure in advance. In other words, are we looking at road capacity? Are we looking at um, how many toilets can flush on on Pensacola Beach before we have a big problem? You know, we need to talk about long-term investment in infrastructure, parking, traffic control. Our, our big bridge that goes over to the beach is going to need replaced or maintained um, better than it is right now. So we have a lot of big issues coming up, and that's why I keep talking about strategic plan. We need to really create the long-term vision. Um, you guys both were mentioning all these different safety things, but you guys didn't mention homelessness. What are your thoughts on homelessness? Uh, uh, Commissioner Becker. Sure. Um, so I think it is a, an issue that's plaguing our, our community. Um, it's, um, you know, we have some money that we can put towards it. You guys did a great presentation on that. We loved your ideas. We appreciate you guys coming down and, and talking about that. Um, and. Yeah, I'd say there's there's no real simple solution, or else we would do it. Um, you know, I, I think with the money that we have, we do need to look at um, a more permanent solution. Um, if it was something that could be solved by just giving out hands outs uh, to anyone who comes up and asks for ten or fifteen or twenty thousand dollars or even fifty thousand dollars, we would have solved it by now. So to actually uh, use this one time money uh, to make a great impact in our community. Um, I think it's I think that's the direction we need to head in um, is that you know, I do believe that it's it's our it's our it is our community members that are homeless 
you know, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to say that it's all transients and people that aren't from here. I'm sure there is some of that and there are certain things that you can do. Uh, you know, people say you are able to get the most help when you have support around you. So that's why uh, sometimes they do send them back home, but they also make sure there's that connection so that a family member or someone else that they know can, can meet them and help them through that process. But locally, we do need that place, but I don't think it's going to count as board that's going to be running it. You do need an organization, a volunteer organization, a nonprofit, something like that, that can take it over from us and, and, and do that. Really, it's the services that you need to provide. So there's the Kearney Center in, in Tallahassee. I don't know if you guys saw that when you did your research, but um, it is a, a place that anybody can come in. Uh, it, it gives them meals and housing and things like that. And then it also helps them get identification and helps them find jobs. And when talking to Mr. Kearney, he said the one thing I would do was double the amount of space that, that we can have these services. Um, because that's really where they need the help. You know, have the bed and, and the food is great, um, but really it's, it's to be able to get them on the right foot, uh, to give them the support, the help they need um, to get over this, this point in their, in their life and onto the, the path that, that they can be sustainable. So, um, so it, it's finding those right partners and uh, I think uh, finding a location um, that can house them is the proper step in that. What are your thoughts about solving homelessness? Um, well, I have to agree that the homeless population are our citizens, so we need to give them the respect that they deserve. And there are many different reasons that people find themselves to be homeless. And we need to look into what are those reasons. Right now we have a crisis. We don't even know how many people we have out there because uh, one agency was telling us 700 people and one agency is telling us 7,000. So we have a lot of work to do to find out who is homeless here. And if it's homeless because you just couldn't pay your rent this month and you can get back on your feet with just a little bit of financial aid, yes, let's do that. Let's give them some money. There are many charities in town. United Ministries is one of them that will try and keep you in your home by paying your electric bill that month or paying your rent that month. So those are that's kind of the, the low-hanging fruit or top of the iceberg. I'm not sure which way you want to look at that. There's some other issues that are much harder. And I too think that your village idea is phenomenal. I love that idea and I think that we can do that. And I think those are the kind of things that we do need to put money towards in our community. I, I, I know Robert told you about one in Tallahassee, but I'm familiar with um, the village that Harry Connick Jr. created. He's a musician in New Orleans. And right after Katrina when so many neighborhoods were completely gone because of flooding, he went and built a village just like what you guys are talking about. And in the center, it's primarily for musicians, in the center is this huge um, music room where people, musicians, can come and play and then they can create bands and they can cause revenue to be generated. So they give, it gives the homeless person a little space to live and then a method to get out of their financial troubles. So it's similar, I think, to what you're thinking with your village and I think that's a good way to go. Um, if you, Myra, Miss Myra, would, if you won the election, would you support the efforts to ban abortion? Why or why not? That's a really good question, Simone. It's something you and I can really talk about. It's controversial, but it's important. So here's the situation. Um, I'm, as a woman, I'm always going to support women and their rights. Okay, so I have some ideas that we need to eliminate the need for abortion, right? So I, I'm not sure how freely I can speak about this. Okay, so I think that we should have free birth control. I think that we, if I can say the sex word here, that's impossible to control, but it's possible to control what effects may come from a sexual encounter. And one of those control methods would be free birth control for everybody. At least make it over the counter so women don't have to go to a doctor first. The second thing is, and you want to talk about controversial gentlemen, uh, why is this the woman's responsibility? What if we had men at a young age relegated impossible to create birth? There's a word, it's called vasectomy, and it's reversible. Maybe we could put this on the men's shoulders. The problem that we have in our society right now is that we're worried about the outcome of an unwanted pregnancy instead of talking about how to stop the, out, the unwanted pregnancies. Uh, 
So that's where I would focus. But as far as banning human rights, I am pro-freedom, regardless of political party and regardless of religious background, because I, I was raised Catholic. I don't want to see any abortions, but I don't believe that the government should ban basic personal rights. That's controversial, huh? How about you, Mr. Bender? Would you ban abortion? So, uh, so the state of Florida is very uh, defined on what a county commissioner's role is. Um, and, and abortion doesn't really fall under that. So I try to focus on, on what I do have the authority to, to make decisions on. Um, now, in terms of, of free birth control and things like that, I mean, we do have clinics that we support that, that can that help with, um, with health uh, of people that need it. And so, um, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a, it is an important issue. Um, and although it is, is at the county level, it is not one that, that we really get to vote on. So, um, so I try to focus on those that I can actually influence. Okay, you're gonna let him finish with that answer. Can I just say one more thing? Um, the issue about the clinics is good for those people that need it, and that's typically uh, people that are financially uh, challenged. But abortion happens, mostly 97% of the abortions are in 20 and 30 year olds that are Caucasian, and so uh, often not necessarily financial challenging is the issue for them to get the free birth control. So I wanna expand that. And I've of course, I realize that that's not something that's done at a county commission level, but I think it's important for you guys to know the character of the people that you elect. Uh, do you believe climate change is due largely to humans, Commissioner Oh, I'd say we are definitely, I would say I'm not one of the non-believers that it's not happening. So um, one of the things that I have focused on in these last four years um, are resiliency efforts in our environment. Um, uh, currently sit on the on the Pensacola Perdido Bay Estuary program uh, and I'd say the other thing is is that I'd say it even plays a bigger factor locally because of, of how we rely uh, on our environment for living uh, for tourism uh, and so um, I would say that yes we we are doing we are responsible for it um, and support efforts to, to curtail that um, you know, it's uh, water quality is, is very important uh, with us. Um, that's why I'm fighting for, for septic to sewer, um, so that we don't have the nutrients that go in and create these these algae blooms and the and the red green blue tide. Um, and then um, so we have that again water quality. Um, we have we're trying to fix the problems that have been created from decades of abuse. Um, we have issues all throughout the county that that we need to, to try to fix. Um, so it's a focus on on that, um, and so um, so we we do play a part in it, and we we do need to be mindful of, of what we do and, and take steps to improve that. What do you guys think? I'm just really curious. Um, I believe that climate change is almost entirely because of humans. Um, in fact, ninety percent, ninety seven percent of climate change is from humans and fossil fuels and stuff that like humans do to the environment yeah. and the other three percent is from animals right i i was in one of the classrooms during the tour and i said to the kids you are as smart as you'll ever be because they're completely surrounded by current knowledge and they have it fresh in their minds so i, I love to hear what they say it's better for we should be interviewing them um but yeah i i think that man is largely responsible and there's a lot of things that we can do to, to correct it and the uh, fossil fuel emissions are crazy that we don't really try to promote carpooling at the very least but um, change combustion engines over to hybrid and I know there's issues with car batteries as well so the question is is it man-made I'm saying yes and I really lost my train of thought with my phone ringing sorry um, what was I talking about? Uh, there was something specific I was going to say, and I, I've lost it now. But yes, I think that we should reduce um, 
toxic emission and one of these issues that is very important on our beach right now on Pensacola Beach primarily is we need to put a parking garage up there and why is this because currently people are paying playing parking lot vulture when they get over there they're driving around in circles and waiting to find that one spot they can jump upon and so what happens is they're emitting this toxic waste from their cars over and over at our precious asset the beach so we need to adjust that that's one of those things that county commissioners can do and it's a local issue and um i'm i'm thrilled that robert's participating in the estuary program again i'm going to jump this back to the budget for just a second and say i just saw like a fifty-five thousand dollar line item for marketing for that group and I don't know if anyone's heard of it. So I think that we really need to focus on spending money where we need it spent. And one of those would be fixing the parking situation on the beach. And that yeah. goes back to climate change. If, if I, the, that was separate money than what we did. It was part of a grant. So it wasn't really our money. It was, it was money that had gone to the program that was specifically for that use. Um. Rob, Mr. Bender, what can the county commission do to slow climate change? So that's a great question. So, I mean, I think you one of the things we probably need to do is, is upgrade some of our aging infrastructure that we have in our buildings. So going to more efficient air conditionings. Um, we have a problem of deferred maintenance that we just keep pushing that off, keep pushing it off. Um, and so um, actually right after this I'm, I'm meeting with the fire department to, to see about how we can work some of the things back in their budget and, um, and how we can help improve some of those um, and so uh, again we, we do promote some carpooling uh, you know we have the parking and ride um, that we do with FDOT they have a couple locations throughout the area it's, it's not a lot though um, and then um, you know, it, it is, uh, I mean, if you look at the county itself, our average vehicle fleet is very old. Um, so if you if you looked at within and what you can do um, to try to get more fuel efficient vehicles and things that, that don't leave a large carbon footprint yourself. Um, and then, you know, but we have constructed some buildings that have the, the, the proper SEER um, and um, certification. Um, and so it's again, doing your part, even though we all know it costs a little bit more to do it, um, you know, we do have um, the energy companies that are, are looking at solar, um, and uh, I think that people should have that option to, to put solar on their roof um, and, uh, and be a part of, of trying to uh, get energy from a few of the, the things that we have that are very readily available, especially in Florida, it's, it's sun. Um, you also have some wind technology, which I'm glad that we're doing our part in helping build those giant turbines that are going out throughout the rest of the world and in this country to help produce some of that energy. Um, and so um, I think that's what we what we can do. Um, again, it's it's uh, having uh, energy efficiency appliances, buildings, windows. Um, you know, I know that uh, sometimes it is difficult for our lower income to to have the funds to dedicate to do some of those things. And we do have some funds that we can help with um, through our CRAs, community redevelopment agencies that have that give grants to let people get new roofs or new windows or things like that. So um how about and how about you, Mrs. Van Hoos? So again, I was talking about carpooling. I think that's a really good idea. And and at a federal level, changing the national mindset from combustible en engines to uh, electric vehicles I think will help tremendously at the local level obviously that's not going to be something that the commissioners can put forth but what we can put forth is solar energy and I'm happy to hear that Robert agrees with that because I know some folks in his uh, political party lo locally even are uh, pretty staunch supporters of Florida Power and Light and Florida Power and Light stance has been kind of anti-solar unless they are creating it. So I'd like to see uh, the individual homeowner be able to control their own um, solar output because in other places like Denver, if you have solar and you create more energy than you've actually used in your own home, you can sell it back to the electric company. So it would reduce our prices to the individual consumer and yet still have power where we need it. 
Um, and I think Robert mentioned this once before, we can definitely go learn from other cities. And if we do go to these other cities, we need to come back and actually implement these ideas that we're seeing elsewhere. Um, the other thing that concerns me about, uh, it's, it's kind of a tangent to the climate change discussion, but with uh, water levels changing, we have really to focus on our pollution and our infrastructure that is causing more pollution into our waters. Our waters are our, our biggest asset. We live here at the most beautiful part of the country, and we can't even go swim in Bayou Tahar because it's polluted. So we need to focus on cleaning our water as part of this whole mindset about the environment. The environment is our asset. That's what we need to focus on here. Okay. So on that, I think we're, we've got some great projects that we're working on, the Carpenter Creek, Paiuta Hard, to, to do that. Um, one of the other boards I serve on is the Gulf Consortium, which is some takes some BP money, uh, and they're looking at, at dredging the soils out of Bayou Chico uh, and making that a much better body of water as well. And of course, all those flow to our bay uh, and into the areas that we want to recreate. So um, we have to start at the source and start at the top and yeah. work our way down. And spe I mean, speaking of starting though, we've had that BP money forever. I don't know why we have this pile of money that's not being used. I know that we created laws and regulations about how to use it, but we can change that as well. So why not get these projects done already? I mean, I have to say we're working on them. Is is it does take time to get through Treasury? Um, and, and again, I'm I'm happy to say that that project for Bayou Chico is is in process. Um, it's not dredging the soils yet, but it's a lot. It's Further along than it was two years ago, so um, I, I understand that it's in getting those dollars out. But um, I'd say we are doing that. Um, Mr. Bender, what is your opinion on the FBI raid on Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence? Do you believe the former president's rights were infringed upon? Um, so again, I, I think it's uh, you know again, if if you do something wrong, it needs to be investigated. Um, it's of course become very political, um, and um, and so it's unfortunate that it has become so polarizing based on political party. Um, but it's um, it's unfortunate the world we live in, and that's something that I try not to emulate at this local level, and that's why I say civility and common sense. And so um, you know I don't put party politics at our local level. Uh, if you call and have a a pothole issue or uh, an issue in your neighborhood, I'm not going to ask what party, political party or, or anything you are in order to get help. Um, this is the community that I live in and again I want to have this be the best community um, that it can be. And so it is working together as one community uh, and not be polarizing. So that's what I try to focus on locally. So we agree then that the FBI should raid you when you're doing something illegal? I, I mean if you're doing something illegal. Are you going to say yes? If you, I, I, I thought I did. Okay. Was there a... I think there's a difference between saying and voting. On a podcast. Sure, sure. But are you getting at something or... Yeah, I just think you, you kind of avoided the question because it's political and that's unfortunate because that's part of making it more political. I mean, you know, there's there's right and there's wrong. Right, and I live on the side of right. Okay, let's just go on to your opinion. <laughs> Politics, am I right? Right, right. Uh, so, in this situation, I'm gonna say to you guys, let's go tangentially and talk about should a politician just answer the question, or should a politician change her or his uh, direction of answer so they don't have to answer the question? And I think, to be respectful to you all, the question needs to be answered, right? Respectfully, though, I think you're doing exactly what you're <laughs> to do. That was just my prelude to answer. So, um, yeah, I... I absolutely think the FBI is allowed to raid when they have evidence and they don't take it lightly. They are not frivolous. They are not political. They are one of the best law enforcement agencies in the world. 
So I respect them and honor their decision to have raided whoever they need to raid, whoever that happens to be, and hopefully we find truth at the end of the investigation. I'm just going to put this out there, but I do believe that it was entirely warranted. He had nuclear papers in his, in one of his safes, and I don't think that should have been there. Thank you, Samantha. Uh, Flooding is a significant issue in the county. Uh, what will you do as a commissioner to help the citizens with flood issues, Robert? Good question. So, uh, one, I said we are doing a lot right now. Uh, we've got a number of projects that are under construction that, um, that for whatever reason, we're not on our radar until Hurricane Sally. Um, and uh, so we've taken Hurricane Sally and used that to um, prevent homes from flooding. Uh, we are taking some of that money to repair some damage that's sustained during Hurricane Sally uh, and make it more e efficient. Um, so again, one of those things I said is you look at that root cause. And so like I said, I, I dive deep. So uh, one of the things we did was we, there was a pit that was just a pit and we actually turned it into a retention pond that could hold more water. Uh, and then we're also looking at, at also giving it a better way to get out so that it doesn't topple over uh, and flood out the homes and, and do that. Um, the other thing was was that we had a project where we could actually institute change, uh, fix the problem, or we could buy the homes and, um, and never let anybody live on them again, take them off the tax roll. Um, and so I, I went with fixing the problem. Um, and so uh, we're wrapping that project up now um, that is going to give the people a little bit of, of ease at night when it starts to rain, knowing that uh, they don't have to worry about getting up in the middle of the night and putting sandbags and uh, wondering if they're going to have to evacuate. So um, it's a problem that continues to evolve, um, and, and that is one of my priorities. Number two is infrastructure uh, and making sure that we have some of that money to, to go after flooding projects. Um, it is um, making sure that we develop at the right level so that we aren't, as a county, having to come back in and, and use public dollars to fix problems that could have been prevented um, in the in the beginning. Uh, what are your opinions on flooding and how will you fix it? Well, that's a really hard question, but you know, I'm I'm caught up in this timing of situations. I don't understand how we don't know about flooding when we're at in floodplain land, right? So there's been uh, legislation on the books for years, many many years about how to um, either move a house away or raise the land uh, to, to prevent people living in flooding. So natural environment needs a place for water to run off. So we need to not build where there needs to be natural runoff. So that should be part of a strategic land use plan that has not been um, adhered to and enforced in, in any capacity because builders are able to build based on other factors. And so I would, I would step back from our piecemeal allowance of people to build wherever they want and look at the whole structure and where we want floods to go because we will have flooding and it will become more and more pervasive with you know the climate change issues that we're facing so again it comes back to a strategic plan and budgeting on which which way we spend our money um, in what ways does the county commission work with the Pensacola City Council are there any like turf wars between the two you want to take one? I have no idea. Tell us. Because um, the issue that is interesting to me is that um, District 4 is overlapped by, what, 65% is city folks, something like that. And there's seven city wards. And six of those are in touch, are either completely in District 4 or partially in District 4. I don't get it. I don't understand why we need this extra layer. So... Um, I haven't had direct experience with this one, so hopefully the commissioner can tell us if there's some sort of turf war. So let me defer to him. Yeah. Uh, no, I, and again, I think um, one as a community, if we all do, if the city does well, then the county does well, 
Uh, District 4 would do well because it is 60-65% uh, of the city is, is in District 4. Um, and, and so, uh, I mean, I think I work well with um, all the council members. Uh, we serve on a number of different organizations together from um, the TDC to the Transportation Planning Organization. So TDC is the Tourist Development Council. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, one of the things we did was the city needed a little extra money for the Roger Scott Tennis Center. Um, and I think that's a great amenity that we have for our community that people that just don't live in the city use. Uh, and so um, I was happy to spearhead an effort to, to get the city more money for that. So um, I think we, we do have a good working relationship with the city council, um, and, but it does, it does take communication and working together um, to, to get uh, projects across the line. Uh, another thing we've partnered on is ST Engineering. Uh, to bring jobs to our community, uh, you know, business being set up at the airport. I think it's great to have this industry um, that, again, it's diversifying what we have. It's outside the military, it's outside tourism, um, that uh, we have a great program at, at Washington High School that, that our high schoolers can, can learn about um, aircraft maintenance overhaul. And, um, and then once they, they get out of high school, they go through their, their training, um, they can have a job waiting for them. Um, when they come back. So again, that's uh, different skill sets that we can keep and retain right here in the community and they don't have to go somewhere else to, to find a job. Um, how has being a politician impacted your home slash personal life? How, how has it impacted my home personal life? So, um, you know, I'd say it, it is tough on, on families um, because, um, you know, I, I'd say one, I couldn't do this without the support of my family. Um, especially my wife, uh, Amy, um, because it is oftentimes that, that you put the community and, and meetings and uh, events uh, ahead of your family. So um, I have the opportunity that I, I do get to take my kids to school and see them uh, every morning. Um, but oftentimes, you know, you may not get home until after they've gone to bed. Um, and so, um, you know, we do try to have dinner around the dinner table as often as we can. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's great um, getting their perspective. Again, it's, it's a big reason of, of what I'm uh, focused on is, is making this community great, not just for now, but for when uh, they're the leaders, when you guys are the leaders, um, you know. So I think it's, um, it's funny getting their perspective. You know, four years ago, we were going across the bridge, and my son realized that um, there was no traffic backed up on the three-mile bridge anymore um, because the steps that we had done to improve it were working. Um, now, that was because he didn't get to watch a video as we were going across the three-mile bridge. That's how he realized that we didn't have to sit in traffic because um, we'd always been putting videos in when we hit traffic, but we, we sailed right onto the beach and didn't have to worry about it. So, um, you know, it, it is impactful, but, you know, my my family knows that this is what I want to do um, and and they support me in that so that gives me the yeah. ability to, to do it but you just said that your family supports you did your family support you a lot in your uh, political life absolutely um, my entire family from my parents and my aunts and uncles and my brothers and sisters and our kid my husband and our kids all are devoted to a life of service um, I have two of my sisters are math school teachers, by the way, and my other sister is a Spanish teacher, and my uh, brother is a chemistry teacher at a college level, and my other brother was actually governor of Pennsylvania for a while. That was the end of his career, but he was in politics all his life. So I mentioned teachers because I equate the life of a politician to someone who is a teacher who is constantly explaining positions and educating and being in the public eye. So we have all felt that that's the way to live a life, like uh, from a Christian background, like Jesus would have. And um, we, don't, we don't consider an hour given to the community as a sacrifice as much as the right thing to do, the necessary thing to do. And, and we're all completely okay with that. It's exhausting, it's tiring, but I, I believe that um, it's almost a calling, it has to be done, and so that's, that's how we live our lives.
Mrs. Myra Van Hoos, what do you want your legacy to be? My legacy? I'm too young to talk about legacy. Um, I, oh, that's an awesome question. I think that, you know, thinking of it right now for the first time, I would say I would like people to um, think of me kindly, remember that I was kind and considerate, compassionate, hard worker, and cared about the community and other people, um, and was selfless, I guess, put, put other people ahead of myself. And so um, as far as the changes that we can make in our community, that won't be about me, that'll be about all of us. And so I don't need some sort of um, plaque or something if that's where you were going with that. I just wanna see everybody be able to live well and raise their children here and have the uh, jobs available for their children when they uh, get out of school, have a really much better school system than we have right now. Um, this school that we're in today is amazing, and I'm so happy for all of you, and I have loved the tour, um, but I would like to see every kid in our county have this type of education. Um, and yeah, just keep the environment clean and be have a safe place to live, supporting our law enforcement officers. Everything that Robert and I have said today, oh, sorry. Um, good life for all should be a legacy that we all aspire to. And how about you, Mr. Bender? Um, so yeah, so I, th I think it is about being a hard worker. Um, it's about uh, being fair. Um, you know, I'd say there um, uh, people come to me and I try to help them get to yes. Um, I'm not controversial. Um, I'm not in it for me. Um, and so I think um, in terms of a legacy, um, again, you think someone that would have just, he represented us well, uh, and that he, he improved his community. Um, that's what I try to go out and do every day. Um, and so, um, I, I'm not one for recognition. Um, and so, um, I think if you just focus on, on improving your community and focus on your job, um, and so, uh, and, and I'm the only one that currently does this full time. Um, I think that's part of, of what I want to do. It, again, it allows me to get into the issues um, and uh, give the most that I can back to the community. Okay. Thank you for joining us, Mrs. Van Hoos and Commissioner Bender. I think we learned a lot here today. Well, thank you. I thank think you. we learned a lot too. Yes. This was great, you guys. Thank you for having us. Great job, guys. Appreciate the questions. Does this the interview? Did the interview feel a lot harder than you expected? Uh, no, because I know what to expect from you all. So um, <laughs> I wouldn't have expected anything less, and um, and I knew that you would ask some uh, great questions and have done your research because that's what you've demonstrated every time um, you have come in front of us before. Any dealings that I've had, even when your dad and I did the podcast or did the uh, Zoom. Um, you guys were on your toes and um, and so uh, very happy that we were able to do this today. I didn't think it was hard. I thought it was a lot of fun. I love for this stuff. I thought you guys were going to quiz us on, you know, the Bill of Rights or something like that that you, you know and not every adult knows, but I studied last night, so. <laughs> but thank you again. Thank you guys. That's all for today. Thank you for listening to our podcast.